are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. The last week... Um John Kingma kicked off our uh, Family Is series. We've been talking about family is Christ-centered, spirit-led, family is love, family is honoring, and he kicked off with family is genuine. And I like to kind of build on top of what John was talking about. You know, as I was, I was in the sanctuary last night, and I was kind of going over my message a little bit, and I just kind of started chuckling. I just kind of had a thought, because as we're talking about family is genuine, I started thinking about my own family. And I think when we're in our own family, there's a comfort there to be who we are because our family, our wife, our kids, our husband, they know who we are. They've seen us in the good days. They've seen us in the bad days. And uh, we have the freedom just to kind of be like, you know what, this is who I am. But yet when we walk into a public building, whether it be a church or whether it be an office, something comes upon us that is kind of like, you know what, maybe we wear a mask or we're just so used to, okay, I better be on my best behavior because I don't want people to think that I, I, I'm not that person. We, we, we try to paint this picture of something that we're not and we, we really forget, I think, who we really are at times. You know, I remember when I was first dating Cindy, we started getting to the place of, of getting serious and uh, her, her father and mother lived in Drumheller and, and I got the invite for the weekend to go down and meet mom and dad. And, uh, you know, as guys, we don't really like that. We don't really like meeting the parents. It's always a hard, hard thing to do. But, you know, so you drive down, you're a little bit nervous about, oh, what's going to happen? Maybe he owns guns, you know, like all this kind of stuff. And, and, and as you're driving down there, I, I meet Hayward and Effie and, you know, just... One of the funniest things happened. We're, we're, we're sitting around the table. We're just kind of talking and finding out who each other is and this kind of stuff. And sure enough, through the, the, through the screen door, it was the summertime through the screen door, somehow a moth flew into the house. And when the moth flew into the house, Effie started screaming like, ah, a moth, get, Hayward, get into the house, get into the house. So Hayward went after the moth and he caught the moth. And then instead of him letting the moth go aside, he started chasing her around the house with the moth. And he just thought, this is the best. He's chasing her around like this moth was going to kill her. And uh, he's chasing her around the house. And then she finally was so mad at him, she ran to the door, slammed the door, and locked the bathroom door. So he turns to me and goes, you know what? She thinks she's safe in there, but moths always go to the light. So she starts pushing the moth under the door, hoping that it's going to fly up in the bathroom and, and, and go in her face and all this kind of stuff. And with that, I'm just like, this family I'm going to totally fit into. We can be really good or bad with our family, but when we walk through those doors, who are we pretending to be? You know, when I remember, I'm going to cut this down a little bit just because of our time, but I remember uh, when, I, when I went into uh, ministry, and again, I just finished five years of college, and I was just so hungry to be that youth pastor. And, and a few, um, I, I was working as a volunteer youth pastor, and I was looking to be able to do the full-time thing where I didn't have to do the tent-making thing. And I had a bunch of different opportunities to be able to uh, have interviews and that kind of stuff. And I remember one specific interview. I got a phone call from the pastor, and he said to me, he says, you know what, Lance, uh, come on down. I just want to have a, just a casual conversation with you and your wife, just uh, you know what, no, no stress before we get into interviews and all that kind of stuff. Let's just kind of find out who each other is. I'm like, that sounds awesome. 
So I go down there, and he gives me a tour of the church. And when he gives me a tour of the church, I go downstairs, and there's probably 20 people in, in, in the basement of the church there. And uh, he introduces me. I say hello. And then he says, you know what, Lance, this is my board and, and their families, their wives and the kids and all that kind of stuff. And we just want to ask you some questions. I'm like, excuse me, baking powder? That was not part of the deal. It was supposed to be just a, a casual conversation. So immediately, boom, not only is it an interview, but it's an interview with everybody. So we sit around the table, and all these people just start asking us. It was like open season. They just start asking us all these questions. I remember one specific question. As a lady put up her hand, she goes, excuse me, Pastor Lance. Yes, I'm in charge of the children's ministry of the church. Let me ask you a, a, a fictitious situation. It's Sunday morning. One of my, one of my children's uh, Sunday school workers don't show up, and I'm short a person. Will you jump in and help me? And, and of course, I'm, I'm in this interview, I'm like, yes, yes, I will. I love kids. Like, sure. However I can help, that would be great. And then as soon as I finish that, another guy, Lance, I'm the janitor of the church. Friday night, the kids make a big mess. What are you going to do? Are you going to leave it or are you going to clean it? I'm like, man, I'll, I'll do the janitorial work. I'll, we'll vacuum. We'll steam clean the carpets. Like, we'll do whatever it takes for me to get this job. I started putting on this mask and just, just I had such a hunger for, for this group to like me, to hire me. You know what? Didn't pan out. Cindy and I, we, we, uh, we decided that we were going to go on, on vacation. It was our first time kind of away together someplace tropical and we got the opportunity to go to Hawaii. I said to Cindy, I said, let's go to church while we're there. I said, maybe I can start talking to the pastor of the church, and maybe he'll like, oh, pastoring in Hawaii, hallelujah, I feel the call. <laughs> so, so, sure enough, I, I, we're in our hotel room, and I pick up the phone, and, and first of all, I called Hayward, because he's been to Hawaii, he loves Hawaii, he goes pretty much every year, and I said, Hayward, never been here before. I said, what's the church like there? He goes, man, Hawaii is the island. It's so relaxed, casual. Wear Hawaiian shirt, shorts. They're going to put a, 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 a lay of, 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 uh, of uh, shells around your neck to welcome you. It's so awesome. I'm like, that sounds perfect. So I call up a church. I said, hi, uh, this is Assembly of God's Church. Yeah, I said, what is the closest church? I'm a, I'm a pastor in Canada. I'm looking for the closest church to the hotel I'm staying at. And the guy says, well, brother, that happens to be us. I'm like, right on. I said, give me your address. Tell me what bus I have to take to get there, and I'll see you on Sunday. He goes, pastor, we want to honor you. Pastor from Canada is welcome in our church. We're going to pick you up at your hotel. I'm like, awesome. Now, remember, I was a youth pastor at that time. We just finished YC. My hair was bleached white, blonde, like white, 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 white. I'm wearing this yellow shirt with big uh, purple flowers all over it, a pair of uh, shorts, and I'm waiting down in the lobby for this guy with, with Cindy, and we're waiting for him to come, and all of a sudden this guy walks through the door. It was like all of a sudden the door opened, it was like, you know, it's just like, and this guy comes in with a three-piece suit on, I'm just like, oh no. So I walk up to the guy and I said, um, are you the, the, the guy from the church? He goes, are you the pastor? I'm like, yeah. He goes, come on. And he walks out, and I'm just like, this is not going good. Like, oh, my goodness. So we're in the van, and we're driving off to the church. He's not talking to us at all. And I'm just like, I'm feeling so awkward. And I'm just like, okay, um, I, hope I'm, I hope I'm dressed okay. I didn't bring a suit with me or anything like that. We're on, we're on holidays. He says, my pastor tells us, he teaches us that you need to dress for God, and you are not dressed for God. I'm like, oh, Lord, just shoot me now, God. So we get to the church, and he goes, sit down there. So we sat down there, and he walks over. He starts talking to his pastor. He's talking to the pastor. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm going to meet the pastor now. And he, I hear him talking to the pastor. As he's talking to the pastor, the pastor looks over at me and goes, oh. 
And I'm like, Cindy, let's just get out of here, man. Like, this just isn't working. Why do we do that? Why do we step in that place and try to be something that we're not when God created us to be us? You know what? That that Hawaii thing, those interviews, it didn't turn out like I planned, but I was so consumed with trying to be the best. Man, I I listened to to guys who I thought were phenomenal preachers, and I I I would write down their sermon verbatim, and I would try to preach the same clothes that they did because it was so powerful. I, I, I listen to guys who are just like, oh, this guy is so cool. And, and, and I just kind of like, I wish I could be a youth pastor like this guy. It seemed like with my graduating class, all the guys that got the positions and stuff, they all looked the same. They were good-looking guys, strong, young, jocks, kind of like Caleb Mizey back there. You know, come, come up here, Caleb. It'd be like, you know what? Like, seriously, seriously, if you were the pastor and you are going to hire a youth pastor, who would you hire? Him! And I'm like, come on, I just can't get the brakes. I don't fit the mold, I don't look the part. There was even a youth pastor who became a friend of mine, he's in Ontario now. Do you know what his name was? His name was Johnny Strutt. I wanted to change my name. Like, hey, uh, looking for this youth pastor job? Yeah, me too, my name's John Strutt. Oh, forget it, you got it. You know, just walk away. It didn't plan out. I kept banging my head against the wall because I kept trying to be a person that I wasn't. I kept trying to be a person that I thought would, would make them like me. I thought that they would really be like, you know what, that's the guy for me. But yet I couldn't do it. I couldn't be that guy. Psalms 139 is one of my favorite scriptures. It said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for so, making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the darkness of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They can't be numbered. I can't even count them. They don't number the grains of sand. And when I wake up, Lord, you are still with me. He speaks that over every single one of us. His thoughts about you are innumerable. You know what? God not only loves you, but he likes you. And all those little quirky things that you have, all those things that we try to hide, God's like, I gave that to you. I created you. I placed the giftings upon you. But yet we're so, we're so, as a people group, we're so jealous of other people. Man, I can't, I can't play music like that guy. Man, I wish I could be that type of a pastor. Man, I wish I could, I wish I could, my hands were as good as that. And I could, I could fix things like that guy or I could, I could do this or I could do that. But I'm not that way. In everything there's balance. There's some here who have struggled with identity. You find yourself putting on a real show so that others will like you because you're afraid that if they really knew who you are, they wouldn't be convinced. May I have the liberty this morning to be able to speak into your life? He has created you not to be someone else. He's crazy about you. That is refreshing because once those layers come off, it is wonderful to be delivered in the freedom of the person that God has created you to be. You know, John was telling us about how the Lord set him free, about putting on those big shows, about uh, trying to keep salvation down as a statistic so that when he he comes back to Canada, he would have people invest in him and say, yeah, I want my money to go there because I'm seeing results. 
for me, it got to the place where, where the Lord had to strip me down and say, son, I don't want you to do all that stuff. I want you to be you. And all of a sudden, my life started changing where the Lord started setting me free from a few things. You know what? I went from that place in my mind where it's kind of like, okay, I'm a hireling. I got to get hired at the church. I got to get a job to be like, no, 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 no. I'm called. And the Lord opens up the doors and the Lord places people in leadership and the Lord removes people in leadership. And God, this I believe. And once that changed in my thinking, the Lord started uh, uh, granting freedom into my life to step into a whole new season. Do you know what, when, I, when, the, when the opportunity came for me to be a, a lead pastor here, the board called me. I was in Calgary. The board called me on the phone, and they're, and they're like, you know what, we're so excited about you coming. They said, but if you don't mind, we've got a couple questions for you. I said, sure. And, and uh, I, we, we conference called with myself and five board members, and uh, I think they asked me if I remember right, two, maybe three questions. And they're like, yeah, we're sold. Come on, come on. Cold Lake, we'd love to have you. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm glad you're sold. I have about 14 questions here that I need to ask you because I'm not applying for a job. I want to see if who I am fits with what this church is. And you know what one of the questions that I asked? I I asked this this specific question. I said, as a board, how will you treat me if I fail? Let's say that I I decide that, you know what, the Lord has shown me that we're going to do a big outreach event, and we're going to spend uh, $50,000 to bring in the newsboys. We're going to spend another $20,000 on advertising. We're going to spend a whole bunch of money. Now, this is tithe money. This is stuff that that, that people entrust the church with, and as as a pastor, I have to be fiscally responsibility, not only to the church, but to God. So what happens if if I plan this big event— we're bringing in the newsboys. They're coming to Coal Lake. We're, 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 we're renting out a big facility. We're, 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 we're advertising. We're doing all this kind of stuff. The bill comes to $75,000, and 10 people show up. And out of, the, out, out of those, nine of those people are from our church who already know Jesus anyways. What are you going to do? It was a total flop. And one of the board members at that time in their wisdom said, Pastor, if that happens, we bless you to make mistakes. I'm like, that is a church I want to serve. Because if I can't be me, then I can't serve you guys. And you know what? The very first service that I, that I preached here, the very first message, I did an illustrated sermon. And I thought, you know what? I have to do an illustrated sermon because if I just sort of do these nice little messages, and then all of a sudden, you know what? In the church, man, we've done some crazy things in this church, haven't we? Man, I've, I did a sermon where we took a chainsaw and we cut the door down. You know, we, we did a, we did a, a sermon where, where we rode a motorcycle through the sanctuary, didn't we? We did, we did a sermon where, where I mounted people in, in deer mounts, you know, uh, up at the back there. You know, we did, what was the sermon? Just uh, the, the smashing of the mirror. You, you know, all, all these type of illustrated messages. And I, I started out with that because I wanted people to know, I wanted the congregation to know that, hey, man, we're, 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 we're thinking about you right now. We don't know you, but I can't be someone I'm not. So if I start doing all these nice little tidy messages, it's like, that was a great sermon, pastor. It's like, well, thank you. It's kind of like, no, 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 I gotta be me. And if, 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 if you and I don't fit together, awesome. You know what? That we're the body of Christ. I don't, I don't hold it a hard feeling if, if it's just kind of like, you know what? I don't really, like when you smash that mirror, it scared me and I didn't like that. Well, sorry. And you have to be you. We have to walk in that place that God is saying, you know what, God, I need to be genuine. I need to be real. I need to take off that weight of trying to impress people, God. Fear of rejection is something that will keep us 
hinder, will hinder us in that, whole, in that whole area. Rejection can be a huge stumbling block in, beca- in, in becoming genuine. For what, if, uh, for what happens if, someone show, if I show someone the real me and they reject who I am? John 15, 18, Jesus says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. And just think about it. In the beginning, God was betrayed by Lucifer and the angels. And no one could know the bitterness of the soul that Jesus faced on the cross. The Bible says in John 1.10, he came to the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and they rejected him. One story that we read in the Bible is when Jesus went to Nazareth, his hometown. I understand that. I grew up in the same little town where everybody knew who I was. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up there and starts doing these miracles and starts talking about people, and, and they, they start to reject him. They start to be like, you know what? Who do you think you are, Jesus? You think you're the son of God? We know you're not. We know you're the son of Joseph. Jesus articulated the truth that prophets are not without honor except in their own hometown, and they got so angry with him that they grabbed him and tried to throw him off a hill. Try to kill him. My friends, that whole story, Jesus' life illustrates a simple truth for us. That even if you're 100% perfect, you're still going to experience rejection. You'll still be rejected with a mask on or without it. And isn't it easier to live the life that God has created you to be? Learning to respond, so respond properly to rejection is a process that often takes us years. You know, when we're newborn Christians, the Bible calls us children. As children, we don't handle rejection maturely. So the Lord challenges us to grow up as mature Christians. This growth process is measured not simply in months, but it's often measured in years. Children are often wounded by rejection. Jesus was referring to children when he said, Is it impossible that no offenses should come? But woe to him if a milestone were hung around his neck and were thrown into a sea that he should offend one of these little ones. You know what? Children don't have the right tools to handle rejection. It takes some children many years to come to terms with the rejection that they've experienced. As parents, our kids come home and all of a sudden they have that day that was difficult and they have that day that was, that, that was bitter and they start whining and they start crying bitterly because something, a guy said something to them or a girl said something to them. And as a, as a dad, you get mad. And as a mom, your heart breaks. But you see, we have an opportunity at that very moment. As a parent, what the, you know what, we want to we wanna coddle. We want to just say, it's okay, honey. It's okay, darling. You know what? Don't worry about them. They're jerks anyways. But that's not the right thing to do. It's okay to coddle. It's okay to love. It's okay. But what we need to do as parents is we need to speak truth into their spirits. That when rejection comes and faces them, they just listen to that and say, wait a minute. I know that's a lie. Because I know what the truth is. I know what the Bible says about me. I know that I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. So when all of a sudden that boy tells me I'm ugly, it has no weight. I know that my dad loves me. I know that my mom loves me. I know that God is crazy about me. So what, when the enemy tries to take our kids and, 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 and twist them around and start speaking death and, 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 and crud all over them, they can stand, even at age six, seven, eight, they can stand firm and say, you know what, that's not truth. And it just bounces off them. It hurts, though, as parents. 
man, we had an opportunity this last week with Mackenzie, my, my oldest daughter, seven years old. I'm just going to ask Cindy to come and, and share a little bit about that. Um, you know, when you go to put your kids to bed, and it's like you can ask them ten times, how was school today? Fine, great, fine. And you go to turn off that light, and it's like, I need to talk to you, Mom. So uh, we had one of those nights, and I said, what's up, Ken's? And she said, Mommy, she said, today, two girls in my class, she said, they told me, come here. And they said, you know what? You're too heavy. You need to drop some weight. And she said, I'm the biggest one in my class. And she just started bawling, like break your heart bawling. And so I'm thinking, what, what are their addresses, honey? But <laughs> I didn't, I wanted to respond right. Because if I freak out, then she thinks it's, you know, something to be totally wrecked by, Right. And the other thought is homeschooling. Maybe I'm called to homeschooling, which I know I'm not, but yet at that moment. So I just said, you know what, Mackenzie, first of all, when that happens, first thing you got to do, you know that's a lie, you got to speak the truth. I said, number one, that's not true. I said, you are the exact weight you need to be for your height. I said, you, you're perfectly proportioned. I said, you're healthy, you're active. I said, number two, you're beautiful. I said, mom and dad think you're beautiful. And I said, you are. You're just like the cutest girl in your class, so that's wrong. But also, we need to go into the Word and tell them the rest of the truth, right? And I said, you know what beauty really is? All the whole, most of the world thinks that beauty is the way you look. But you know what the Bible says? It says, we look on the outside, but God looks on your heart. And if in your heart there's hatred, if there's unforgiveness, God says that's what's not beautiful. It doesn't matter, you know? And so then I told her about um, when she was, not when she was born, but when she was about 18 months old, we lived in Calgary, and I was in the nursery with her, and um, she's just toddling along, and Mackenzie's very strong personality, like she's just, she's in the room, everyone will know for sure, and uh, we love that about her, but um, at 18 months old, this woman says to me, she's watching her, and she goes, wow, is she ever confident? And I thought, that is the weirdest thing to say about an 18-month-old. But yet, as her life has unfolded, she is. She's so strongly confident in who she is. And so I told her, I said, I said, you know what? This happened before. I said, we've seen this in your life. And I said, do you know that what the enemy wants to do in your life is he wants to steal that confidence. He wants to come in, and he wants to make you believe a lie. And I said, so that's really, so part of being genuine is not just saying, you know what, honey, um, it's going to be okay, and just pat it off. Part of being genuine is saying, honey, the enemy is not those two little girls, even though in my own heart, I, I wasn't too happy with them. But to say, it's not, the enemy's not those little girls. This is who's really trying to steal from you, and it's not true. And so then um, I prayed with her and stuff. And uh, the next day she came and she goes, Mom, a couple times I thought about what those girls said. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, that was just the enemy trying to trick me. And I thought, you know what? Our parents did the best they had with what they had, but we've got more. So we've got more responsibility. And we need to, if you want to equip your kids, you need to equip them spiritually. Because if they don't get a spiritual understanding from home... I guarantee you the enemy will open lots of doors for them to experience spiritual things. And so start telling them today who they are in Christ, what authority they have, and, yeah. In the same way as spiritual children, 
it can take us as adults full, uh, to fully embrace all these areas. It can take years. One of the first steps to being healed from the ravages of rejection is by extending total forgiveness to those who have wronged us. And I would recommend if Holy Spirit is stirring you at this very moment to explore it further with some of our courses that we offer here at Coley Community Church, like the power of blessing and empowering relationships. There are some here who don't, who, uh, who don't like themselves for they're afraid that people won't like what they see, or they've been hurt through pains of rejection, which is totally a lie from the enemy. A sense of I am free is, is, is walking in that place and saying, God, I know that I still have jagged edges, God. I know that I'm not a complete person yet, God. But Lord, I'm in process. You know, there's a flip side to this as well, which I shared in the first service, but I'm not going to share it today. Just to kind of touch on a little bit so you can just sort of look at it yourself. Is the flip side of the coin is that, you know what, we can, we can fear rejection and just fear people and walk in that place of, of just trying to hide. But the flip side is we, we can say, okay, I'm free in Christ, so that means I can say or do whatever I want. And that also is a very dangerous thing. You know what, I have one lady, a friend of mine, who, who came up to me and said, you know what, Lance, the Lord's gift that he's given me is God's judgment. And, I, and as I, I listen to her, I'm just like, you're joking with me. She's like, no, 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 seriously, I'm not afraid to tell people the truth. And as the Lord shows me the truth, I, I show them where they're wrong. And I'm like, hon, that is not a gift from God. You know what a wise man once told me? He says, Lance, you're going to carry a big truck. And you've got to be careful that the bridge you drive it over is strong enough to be able to take it. And what that means is, you know what? If I have a relationship with somebody, Mark, Mark was one of my youth in Calgary. I've known Mark for years. I've trained Mark. I've taken Mark over on missions trips. Mark knows I love him. I love Mark like a son. And if all of a sudden I see something in Mark's life, I can come alongside of Mark and say, you know what, man? I see something here, and I think that you and I should go to prayer about it. I I see something here that's a little bit jagged, that let's just seek the Lord together on. And you know what? It might might prick his pride a little bit, kind of like, oh, got caught, got found out. But he knows that I love him, and he knows that what I'm speaking to him is truth, and I'm not trying to devastate him. Bible says iron sharpens iron. I, I welcome Mark to speak into my life. But you know, all of a sudden, you know, uh, what's your name? Derek. Derek. I, you know, I've seen Derek in a couple services. I don't know, uh, how long you've been coming to the church, Derek? Three or four times. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen Derek a couple times. Three, you know, he's been here three or four times. I don't really know Derek. You know, and if, and if all of a sudden I see something in Derek's life that I don't like or I see something, it doesn't give me the freedom to be able to come up and say, Derek, Bam! Because immediately he's like, wow, where did that come from? Like, man, what's his problem? I don't have a relationship with the guy. You know, so before I can speak to Derek that way, I have to get to know Derek. I have to, I have to allow Derek to be like, you know what? Lance loves me. Lance cares for me. And I allow him to speak into my life. Then we have that open concept. Team, would you come? I just asked this morning that, uh, that uh, you just uh, take a few moments and bow your head and close your eyes. And I just, I really want to hit this whole rejection thing because if rejection is, is strong in our spirit, then there's, there's, a, the other, there, there's, there's all kinds of repercussions from that. Is one, you're going, to, you're going to be prone to wearing that mask and not letting people in. And number two, Praise of man is going to be what fuels you on. 
Because when you get praises, it's kind of like, yes, I like that because it's fueling that rejection thing. But yet when we're following the praise of man, we're going to always be chasing our tails. We need to be able to stand in that place. And it's okay to, 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 to encourage one another and lift one another up. That's cool. But when we seek after it, we chase after it for approval, we have a problem. Our praises and our approval need to come from the Lord. Because you know what? People are going to let you down. You know what? Pastors are going to let you down. You know what? It's so hard because even on Sunday mornings, and sometimes I'm out praying for people, and I see people waiting to talk to me. But you get involved in, in, in a ministry session, and you get involved in praying for somebody, and then all of a sudden you leave kind of like, you know what? I, I waited there for Pastor Lance, and he didn't say hi to me or didn't get the chance to talk to me. It's not because I don't like you because I was involved with something else. But when we have that, oh, I need to talk to him. I need to, I need to do this. I just, I just want acceptance. We're really running on a fine line and we're setting ourselves up for failure. But when we say, Jesus, I give you everything, God. Lord, I know I have a tendency to put on masks. I know I have a tendency, Lord Jesus, to try to please man. God, may my primary gift, God, my primary function just to be so in love with you, God, that, God, I give you everything. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what? Holy Spirit is prompting me right now. Maybe for years I've dealt with rejection and, and I've just wrestled with that whole sense of just fitting in. I believe that today, this morning is your first step of deliverance. You know, so many times we think that, you know, and, and God can do it. We come up to an altar and we get prayed and boom, God does it. Absolutely. But a lot of times it's a process. And I encourage you again that, that we offer a few courses to be able to stand in that place and follow up with it and allow the Lord to work through some serious issues in our lives. It doesn't matter how you started this race, it's how you finish it. So if that's you this morning. You really struggle with that whole rejection thing. That whole pleasing man. That whole, you know what, God, I just, I have a hard time being me. I ask you to stand to your feet this morning so I can pray with you. And my friends, I'm the first to stand. I've struggled with it. I've wrestled with it. But praise the Lord, I think God has finally set me free. Thank you, Lord. Father God, you see every single person in this place who is standing, God. And Lord, they're standing because, God, there's a stem of rejection that has come in by some root, Lord Jesus, even when we were little tiny kids. You're fat. You're not athletic. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. And Lord, that's a lie from the devil. God, each one of us in this room have been bought with a price. And God, your blood is sufficient. Your love is sufficient. And we declare, Father, that you are good. And God, I pray for each person in this room that, God, you would expose that root, that, that where that has come into our life, you would expose it, God, and you would break it right now in Jesus' name. That we would be able to walk in liberty and say, who the Son has set free is free indeed. 
You are our Father, Lord. And Lord, our love, our acceptance comes from you. Because God, man will let us down. Husbands will let us down. Wives will let us down. Children will let us down. Friends will let us down. Pastors will let us down. Leaders will let us down. Politicians will let us down. But God, your word says that you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. God, you are in it with us through thick and thin. And Lord Jesus, I just declare right now, God, that that root, if you're just thinking about a time right now, maybe even when you're a little kid, where something has been spoke over you, you know what, some of those things, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not able to do it, then just say, God, I give that to you this morning. And Lord, I renounce that as a lie that I believed as truth. Father God, your grace is sufficient for me. In Jesus' name I ask it. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.